For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic on this Monday. How are you today? I'm good. Man? I'm good. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You know what would make today even better? It could go so many ways with this. <laughs> Minuteman beer. That's true. It is a Minuteman Monday. $3 Minuteman pours at the Valley Collab House. Three notched in Harrisonburg. Great spot. Yes. Tomorrow, they've got half-off cases, as they do every Tuesday, and of course on Friday, first half Friday. A new brew every Friday is released. I don't know how they do it. People keep wondering, how are they doing it? Much, like, do it. The, much like the thousands of people in your email yes, saying... This, uh, this, that's exactly right. People email me and they say, UVA shouldn't be in the tournament, JMU should have that spot. And also, how do they keep doing this with first half Fridays? And I don't know the answers to either, but they're right on both accounts it's incredible it's pretty amazing and something else that something else that's really amazing is the fact that bet online continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up to the minute odds stats trends everything like that you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs within game live betting contests and all the best player props I don't know why I only did that like in one breath. Um, experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's promo code B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts and where marriages start. There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and Weird cave i love that read who doesn't rolled through the advertisements probably the quickest we've ever done it here on the jmu sports news podcast presented by bet online are you ready to dive into a loaded episode today always where do you want to start let's start with the men's basketball boys man you are following my outline to a t i absolutely love it you're very welcome <laughs> all right men's basketball <laughs> They survived the scare against Georgia Southern. Um, a tale of two halves, whatever cliche you want to use, they pull out a win. Uh, it wasn't pretty for 20 minutes, and they nearly destroyed any chance of bubble watching that we wanted to do because, I mean, essentially, it it almost acted as a loss the way it's a close win against Georgia Southern. Um, but what, what were your kind of main takeaways, and then we can just kind of riff from there. 
Yeah, they played, what, 80 minutes of basketball last week, and 60 of them were awesome, right? They demolished Marshall on Wednesday in one of the more complete road games they've played all season. Great win there. They boost sort of their metrics a little bit because they won by so many points. And then they just have an awful, dreadful first half against Georgia Southern. Down 15 at the break. They're down 19 at one point. Then they outscore them by 21 in the second half, win by six. I thought it was super gritty. I thought it was impressive the way they came back, showed a lot of character, awesome win in that regard. Georgia Southern sucks, though. Like they're six and 23, and I know they're playing better. They are playing better. That should be noted. But they're six and 23. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I go I'm both ways on this. I, I'm just thinking of some things I saw across social media after the win where they're like, don't be fooled by the record. This is a really good basketball team. And they're just like, they're not. They're 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 good offensively. They're somewhat better at home. But like if JMU thinks of itself as an AP top 25 type of team, if they think of themselves as, you know, maybe a 10 or an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament, getting in there as an at-large, maybe a 12 seed, that's a game you have to win by at least 15. <laughs> yeah, that's like not, like it was it was a gritty win. It was an amazing win. It was fantastic. But like I'm not poo-pooing this win. I was electric driving home going bananas as they were coming back. And I love winning no matter how it is. And honestly, that type of win's kind of a little bit more fun. But was it's not a very good Georgia Southern team. No, and the Sun Belt's got to do a little more schedule-wise, some of these teams to make themselves not awful. Because they played only two, I think it was two home games, or three, I guess, with the Buffalo game. Georgia Southern only played three non-conference home games. They lose to Jacksonville by two, a good UNC Wilmington team. They only lost by five. Then they lost to Buffalo by one. All these other games are going on the road or playing neutral sites, which I think a lot of that is probably just like trying to cash paychecks in some regard for some of their like power conference games they went on the road. But it, it kind of makes these teams in the Sun Belt have really poor metrics. Some of that is obviously they're not playing home games. Some of that is that they kind of just suck. So it's like a combination of them playing in a place where it's harder to win. And then also not being good at basketball. So JMU's resume, like 26 and three is awesome. And like, as a fan, you should be stoked about that. I still don't think it's enough to give them an at large, which sounds a little bit crazy, but it's kind of probably the reality that they're facing. You want to know something hilarious about that basketball game? Yes. According to the Ken Palm win probability graph, JMU started with a 92% chance to win. Throughout that first half where Georgia Southern goes on a bit of a run, an 11-0 run, they start to open up a 19-point lead, I think, at one point. The best win probability Georgia Southern ever had, which was when they had a 19-point lead, was just 66%. <laughs> and then JMU over the final like four minutes of the first half and the first four-ish minutes we'll call it like that that middle i think it's called middle eight i think they yeah. call that in football but jmu went on a 13 to 2 run to finish out the first half and open up the second half and coming out into the second half jmu had a 51 percent chance to win that game with a 15 point deficit yeah like they erased it quickly and it wasn't i mean it was like to be able to do it was impressive but maybe not that stunning right because like it Georgia Southern's bad, so at some point over 40 minutes, they're probably going to look bad. 
Well, that's also kind of my point where like the metrics love JMU so much in this game and also hate Georgia Southern so much that you're trailing by 15 at halftime and the metrics give you a 51% chance to win. Yeah, it's like still a coin flip, which is hilarious. Like a little better than a coin flip if we're being right. honest. Like it's insane. Yeah, I think it speaks right to JMU playing great basketball all season, but then also like Georgia Southern's not good. Right. There were some people who were trying to be like, nice. That's a big time win. It's not a big time win because of the opponent. It was the way they did it that showed some like resolve. But yeah. overall, winning by six at Georgia Southern is not particularly impressive. Um, Georgia Southern, though, like we said, kind of in the three notch weekly preview last week, and we'll bring it up again here. Oddly good at home. They took Buffalo, which isn't a great Buffalo team, but I was like. Actually, Buffalo is a lot worse than Georgia Southern. <laughs> Never mind. I thought Buffalo was a little better than Georgia Southern. Uh, they took App State to OT and yeah. App won only by one. So if we're talking, you know, comparing straight resume to resume, JMU's better than App. That, that's right. <laughs> Justin Appson can't block that. He probably still would. Yeah, he probably would. But uh, yeah, I, I think that just they survived the scare. It probably hurt their metrics. They went down in the net. They went down in every predictive measurement, but they got the win and they now have, again, they've set the program record for most wins in a season. They're awesome. Like, I don't, I don't think it should be like misconstrued. They're awesome. I also don't think they're going to get in that large, which makes me sad because they're, well, they're good. Well, it's time for bubble watch. Okay. Well, bubble watch. Bubble watch. Here we go. What what are the odds? Have you been looking at the bracketologies? They're starting to slip in a little bit as one of those like last four in, first four out type of people. I think as of right now for most bracketologies, they're on the, the last four out. I've seen them a lot for, so it's like the, yeah, yeah. So it would be what the first four out and then like your next four. So yeah. they're like in the group of eight that's missing. Yes, yes. And then some, some don't even have them in that. But I think that the issue is what people maybe are forgetting even though it's pretty basic logic is like okay you blow out these next two teams you win a couple sunbelt tournament games if you lose the final you're losing another game like that's gonna hurt your metrics it's another missed opportunity to get a nice win like if you win the sunbelt championship and you have this great resume with only three losses you have an automatic bid so it doesn't like the bubble stuff doesn't matter so i think that's the problem among the problems is like you're on the outside looking in and theoretically when you're talking about the at-large like you're still going to lose another game without really picking up any good wins because you're you're not going to see app state until the the championship because i think Most it's likely right it's pretty is it firm with that or is troy i guess troy still technically could no i don't know that they could well i guess if if you, app state loses their you, last you talk in circles win. here for a second i'm pulling up the bracket so we know it for sure it's theoretically, Jamie, you could get the one and App State could slip to the uh, the two. Wait, so just look Jane... at look at your uh, look at your screen now for our podcast listeners on Twitter and everything. Here it is. Yeah. Oh, I just don't think. So they would need App to lose both of their final games and Jamie would have to win both of its final games to get the one because they lose the tiebreaker. So yes. realistically, App's the one. JMU and Troy could theoretically flip flop two three, but that doesn't really matter because you would still the play. Bracket, yeah, you would still play them. 
in the in the semi. So so as it stands now, let's let's kind of this is great podcasting. I should have had I, we should have been prepared for this whole discussion. I completely forgot to even look at the standings. Uh, here's the standings for Sunbelt as it stands right now. App would be the one. JMU would be the two. Troy would be the three. So that that that's essentially all locked up. If JMU wins these final two games, they will be the two seed. Troy will be the three seed. But like you said, that doesn't matter much. Uh, the four seeds, Arkansas State, they're at the top of the bracket. Uh, five is Louisiana. And six is Southern Miss. Georgia State is seven. Marshall is eight. South Alabama is nine. And ULM is 10. So if you are JMU with the two seed, you would be playing the winner of ULM. I think it's like Georgia State right now. And Georgia State. So that's the issue. So you would win, let's say it goes this way, and it's like all the top seeds keep winning. You beat Georgia State and Coastal Carolina in the regular season to end those two. Then you probably beat Georgia State again, or or maybe it's someone else, right? Maybe it's Marshall. And then you would beat Troy. None of those teams are actually good. Like none of those <laughs> wins move the needle at all. At all. You, so you can move it in terms of like your margin of victory. You can prove your metrics in that regard but you're not moving the needle with any of those wins. And then you look at the quality wins for JMU. And the one that sort of stands out the most is Michigan state. Michigan state's got nice metrics. They're 17 and 11 though, nine and eight in the big 10. They're like a nine seed. Yeah. They're not, which a is a bummer, right? Yeah. And about up top though, I do want to bring this up app may trip up. JMU could easily trip up too, because there's Troy, the three seed in this tournament. But App, they'll face the winner of Marshall, South Alabama. Not really world beaters, neither one of them. So you would assume they win that. Then they're playing either Arkansas State, Louisiana. I mean, let's be honest. It's probably one of those because they're not playing Georgia Southern or Texas State. That, I think, is actually way more of an intriguing storyline than Bubble Watch, which, sadly enough, like it's fun to think about the at-large potential, but I just don't see it happening. The possibility of... App State getting tripped up by Arkansas State and Louisiana, who I think are actually probably playing better basketball than Troy right now, especially yeah, Arkansas State. Arkansas State, State is doing some big stuff there. Yeah. So if you have that, maybe you're playing for an, right, an automatic bid against Arkansas State instead of App State, which I think the matchup's more favorable there. That seems like a decent setup if that happens. So I think that's almost more intriguing than, than the at-large possibility, but... Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that JMU has lost the Sunbelt tournament if they play App State in the final? No, no. I think they could definitely win that game. I just think it's all in on Pensacola. I think the bubble watch, mentally, for fans, we should just turn off because there's really nothing they can do to have it. I don't think they just have enough quality wins. Like, their strength of schedule is outside the top 300. I'm going to keep throwing stuff at you here for a second. Ready? Yeah. What if you win your next, what would it be, your next four games? Okay. Until the Sun Belt Tournament final, you win them all by 25 or more. Then I think it gets like somewhat intriguing. I just don't think they're going to win them all by 25 or more. Okay. Right? But like, yeah. so it's not necessarily the door is closed on it. They just need exceptionally dominating performances from here on out, then lose in the turn in the Sun Belt Tournament final. Does it matter in your mind, or do you think so? Because I know you take in a lot of bracketologies. Does it matter who they lose to in the Sun Belt Tournament final? Yeah, I think App is like the only one you could lose to. Okay. Because they would be on a neutral floor. I think that'd be quad two. 
where if you're looking at anyone else, it's like quad, quad three, three probably on a four. neutral, maybe even quad four, depending on, yeah, whatever happens. How important is it then for Southern Miss's game? Because right now that game is teetering between quad three and quad four. How important is it for that to stay a quad three game? That's Yeah, you don't want that to go down to quad <laughs> four. That's big. I just, I mean, the more I look at their schedule, like I had kind of convinced myself, I was like, oh, they could find a way to get in this and at large because they would have 30 wins in this scenario. What, they'd be 30, 30 and four. I mean, that's that's good, obviously. Is it? I just don't think it's enough because like the Michigan State win, right? Best win by far. The second best team that they played this year is App State. So in this scenario, the second best team they played this year, they got swept by three times. Yeah. And I think so maybe Akron wins the um maybe Akron wins the MAC championship and you have two wins over like NCAA tournament teams in Michigan State and Akron. But let's say App State gets in, Akron doesn't win the MAC. You're one and three against NCAA tournament teams, and you would be what is that, twenty-nine and one against non-NCAA tournament teams? You kind of feel like an NIT team to me. I know that's so negative, but it's just it's a well, bad schedule. I think we all went into that January 27th game against App State with the thought process of if JMU wins, their at-large hopes are still alive. If JMU loses, the bubble watch, the at-large watch, it's all over. And then they lost the game. We accepted it. And then they went out and put 105 up on Coastal. They dominated their way through the rest of the schedule. And then we let ourselves believe it again because all of a sudden they're in the top 60 of the net. They're in the top 60 of Ken Palm. All these productive metrics are, are really favoring JMU. But I, I think now we're kind of facing the music it is uh, the bracketologies are leaving us off. Yeah. We have it, to win Pensacola. I think so too. I think that's the reality. I don't totally agree with it. Like I get why it would happen because of the strength of schedule, but like, I've seen Virginia in the last four in or like a little bit more firmly in. And yeah, I see Justin here saying that Southern Illinois win could become Q2. That is true. It, they're a hundred, that, they're 106th that in Ken Palm. That would give you two quad twos and only one quad one. I saw a stat the other day that like, I think four teams have gotten in before than at large with um, like less than two quad one wins. So you'd only have the one and it would be Michigan State on opening night. <laughs> it's just a hard kind of a hard stretch but maybe maybe if you have southern illinois a lot of things break your way um possible i just think the third app loss would be kind of crippling i agree it's gonna be tough i'm very intrigued to see how it plays out i will say third time's the charm they also i'm interested in your thoughts on this okay. like i've watched virginia play a few times i watch jmu all the time you do like based on Ken Palm, they'd be favored on a neutral floor. Like I think JMU eye test wise is absolutely deserving of the spot. Like they're good. I know. I 100% agree. I, I think this is when you get into a lot of weird ticky tack net. Like we've been hearing it from ACC fans, like the last two weeks about how the big 12 has gained the system. Like, yes, that's kind of true, but it, it also, I mean, that's why JMU has such a bad record because they've been a net dumpster fire up until last year. So a lot of these teams didn't want to schedule kind of an upper echelon bad net team that would then hurt your rating, blah, 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 blah. JMU eye test is a very good team. 
End of story. They'd beat UVA on a neutral site. They'd probably beat a lot of other like fringe bubble teams, but they just haven't been able to prove that because their non-conference schedule was so bad. And it's, I don't think it's no one at JMU's fault. I don't think it was a JMU scheduling issue. I, I don't think anyone wanted to play a team that finished last year, like on the upper edge of a Q3 loss. It's just such a tough spot, yeah. such a tough spot. And they got screwed a little bit with like the Sunbelt Mac challenge. You got paired with a Kent state team. You thought was going to be really solid and just turns out to kind of stink. Like that would have been one if they were fringe top 100 that you're looking at with Southern Illinois, where maybe that's, especially because that was a true road game. Southern Illinois was neutral. Yeah. That could be quad two instead. It's just not. Yeah. Is it, that's a quad four right now, right? I think three, maybe maybe it's three okay. or four. Yeah. They've got a lot of fours. They have a lot. I think they're 18 and 0 in quad four. Yeah. It might be they're getting close to like 20 quad. It's a lot of quad four wins. Sunbelt stinks. I think that's the other thing about this. Like really you, bad. The reason why all of like the reason why all of these teams that are like hovering around 500 on the season that are these like single digit at large teams like a Michigan State that's hovering around 500 can get in as like a nine seed and eight seed, something like that because they're playing quad one games night in and night out in their conference. Like it is a true bummer that the Sunbelt stinks so much that their whole schedule has been Q4 in conference play, except for like three games, two of them against app. It's so tough. Yeah. It's, it's, they're really good at basketball. And the thing I've been a little bit of a downer here, but I think if they get in, I think they're going to win at least a game. I do too. I think if they get in, they are a like. I actually think if they get in, they're the trendy Cinderella pick. Probably right. It'd be if they win out, they'll have what would it be thirty-one and three. <laughs> so with a win over Michigan State, like that's a very easy 10, 11, 12 seed to. to and then advance. you have a power five forward and TJ Bickerstaff. You have an experienced backcourt with Michael Green, Terrence Edwards, Julian Wood. It like. You have the makings of when, you know, they get up on TV on ESPN on Selection Sunday and they're like, okay, we're filling out our brackets live on air. JMU kind of has that name yeah. recognition from early in the season that they're like, this is the, like Colgate was like three years ago when the net loved Colgate and they were like, this is the team that's going Sweet 16. Yeah, gosh, they're they're playing so well. Bickerstaff, I think he had 17 and 10 against Georgia Southern was perfect from two-point range. I guess he took a three that he missed according to the box score. Don't, don't remember that. I think I blacked that out. But like Edwards was awesome. He had six assists to go with only two turnovers and also scored 20 points. Wooden just kind of caught fire coming at a halftime, which he does for like five minute stretches. Wooden over the weekend, he went three for four against Southern. He went four for five against Marshall. He just That's knocks down threes. He's a stud. Like, they're, Friedel's a, a really good player. They're getting kind of, like, just enough out of Brown and, and Michael Green. Brown yeah. had that, like, a dagger three in the second half. Yeah, or I they're, guess they're, the go-ahead three. They're making plays. Horton had a great game. Like, they're a great second half, at least. I guess they all kind of have more of a great second half than a great game. But it felt like it was just a game because of how well they played in that half. If they get in, they're dangerous, especially because they won't really have any any pressure, even if they're considered like a darling Cinderella. Like if you make the tournament given JMU's basketball history, like pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Daniel asked, what seed do you think the Dukes will get if they make the dance? 
Is I keep giving 12? broad like 10 to 12 range. So high double digit, or I guess low double digit. It would be. Yeah, I, there's, I couldn't see anything worse than a 12, assuming they win out, right? If you like lose the last two regular season games and then win the Sunbelt tournament, <laughs> it would be a little bit different. But Win out 12 seed. 12 or 11, maybe they sneak into a 10. I saw I saw some bracketology had Grand Canyon and Indiana State as automatic qualifiers, and they have very similar like profiles to JMU. Both get 11s. There are a lot of like winnable games against five or six seeds. So that would be, if they get in, I think it's going to be an electric march. In worst case scenario, though, I think they'd make for a fun NIT run, but they're good at basketball. Let's all cross our fingers for a 12 seed in the Charlotte region. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be electric. Um, Three-notch weekly preview. It's time for this week's three-notch weekly preview. Hit the road. Final time. They're finishing the season out with four straight road games. They won the two last weekend. They're getting ready for two this weekend against Georgia State and Coastal Carolina. JMU, they played Georgia State just a few short weeks ago. And by weeks, I mean really not that long ago. February 15th, uh, it was an 83-63 win at home against Georgia State. We, we kind of talked about it then. It's a favorable matchup. Georgia State has eh, defense and eh, offense. They're 204th in Ken Palm. Jamie's defense should be able to shut down Georgia State pretty darn easily yet again. Uh, and their offense should be able to find a rhythm. Although, Georgia State, kind of a good team at home. Uh not necessarily dominant, but I don't think they're as weird as Georgia Southern. Are you expecting anything crazy out of that game? or Not really. This is kind of the one. I think this is the one that we pegged as like the Terrence Edwards ideal matchup where like they can't force turnovers and defend twos. Yes. And he had he had 28 points last time. So it kind of feels like another one where. And it's just... in his hometown and TJ Pickerstaff's hometown. Like they're going to have, there might be more JMU fans that are their family in the in attendance in this game rather than if, if, if football is any indicator of how the Georgia state attendance is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, an interesting point too. You could sort of see that in the Georgia Southern game where it wasn't like, Oh wow, this road crowd knows they're playing a really good JMU team and they're amped. It was like, Oh, this place is dead. <laughs> so, so they can bring their own energy. And I think they, they will, like you mentioned with those hometown connections, it'll probably go pretty well for them. I'm hyped for coastal. I think they run the shot to clears out of the gym. <laughs> I agree with you. I love that you're hyped for them to, to beat up. I'm just really, really excited to finish out football the last two years with just dominating wins over Coastal. And this year we can finish out the regular season sitting back and watching JMU take it to the shot clears yet again. Coastal's defense ranks 328th in the nation. They do nothing well. Coastal Carolina's offense ranks 272nd in the nation. They turn the ball over a lot, like a lot. They don't shoot it well. They have a sub-50% effective field goal percentage. They don't shoot free throws well. They get stolen a lot. I mean, it's a perfect matchup. They've won three in a row at home. I don't care. The, the last time they played... JMU's largest lead or the largest lead in the game. They led 100 to 53. It could be a bloodbath. Like it could be very bad. <laughs> Anything you're looking for specifically? I think the one thing that I am is that outside chance, like you mentioned, that they just stomp these two teams. 
like Georgia State, I think Ken Palm's got that. It's like an eight-point spread. If you win that one by 20 in Coastal Carolina, which has a 15-point spread by like 30. 30 or 40, you actually get kind of interesting going into Pensacola where I think they would be included on the like most brackets First. that have them as like the near out. All right. Let's buckle up. It's going to be fun. It should be fun. Uh, moving over to JMU women's basketball. They split the weekend, a win over Southern, and then a loss to App State on the road. To me, the biggest storyline with women's basketball right now is Evan Bristow and Susha Kozlova's injuries. Yes. The way I was seeing the standings, the top four, like, by seemed pretty easy. You either need Georgia State to lose once, or I think Corey Spector explained this one on Twitter. I'll go find it while you talk this through. But it's basically like they just need Georgia State to lose once or they have to win one of these last two games, and Coastal's pretty bad, so Wednesday gives you a good chance. So my guess would be if Bristow and Kozlova are, like, close but not fully there, they would rest for these two. kind of feel like you need at least one of them for the Sun Belt Tournament to have a, a great shot. Although I was actually impressed with the way they fought in the fourth quarter against App State. Peyton McDaniel had a stretch where she scored, like, three or four baskets in a row to pull him back from a double digit deficit. She was just sort of like grabbing the ball and a rebound, running all the way up the court, going just past the three point line, then going immediately into a step back move and like swishing threes. It was pretty electric to watch. So they've got the firepower there. If they can get one of those two, or maybe both of them back to, I think contend for the Sunbelt title, which is a decent would be a decent year. So Corey Spector at Corey underscore Spector five. Great follow. Um, highly recommend you go check him out on Twitter if you're not already doing so. Two games remaining. Women's basketball has a two is two games in the clear for a top four seed. The Dukes own the head-to-head tiebreaker over ULM, Southern Miss, Louisiana, but not Georgia State. So, how that all shakes out. You see, right now, JMU is in fourth at 11 and 5, two games above ULM, Southern Miss, Georgia State, which is why he said they own the head-to-head over ULM and Southern Miss, but not Georgia State. Bottom line, if they win on Wednesday, all tiebreakers are put to rest and the Dukes get that double bye. If Georgia State loses to Marshall, they get a top four seed. Even if JMU would be tied with Southern Miss, Louisiana, and or ULM, the Dukes own the tiebreaker over all three. The Dukes can finish as high as third. And as low as fourth, essentially. So you win one game or Georgia State loses one game, you're good. Yeah, so should be good on the top four. I guess the the big value you could get, theoretically, is if you get the three, then you don't have to play Marshall until the final. Because that's obviously a tough matchup. But Troy, I think, looks like they're in the two. Also very good. So kind of whoever you get in the semifinals and finals, if you're able to get there, they're both going to be really good at basketball. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you need the your two, two of your better players back. Yeah, and you could see like the defense was kind of looked a little bit tired at times against App State, which missing two of the best players on your roster, the rotation gets a bit shorter. That kind of makes sense. It's hard to win road games. It's really hard to win road games if you're a mid-major yeah. without two starters. Yeah, 100%. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Who do they have this weekend again? Remind me. You got the uh, the Wednesday game against Coastal, which I think is probably the most winnable. And then Friday, you play at Old Dominion, which I think Old Dominion right now is right there in the three, if I'm not mistaken. So my guess would be that, that game would decide uh, the third or fourth seed. Awesome. Do you have anything for news or snooze, or do we pass that today? Skip it today, folks. Whew, no storylines, no quotes, nothing, nothing big. You know what no is a big storyline. <laughs> you know what's a big storyline that you could have included. Jamie Lacrosse ranked number two in the latest poll, their highest ranking since 2000 when they were ranked second. They're behind only Boston College, the team they beat in 2018 in the national championship. Big-time ranking for JMU, who's coming off of a win against uh, Albany, the Great Danes. I almost said the University of Great Danes. Uh, over Albany, they played that game without Isabella Peterson. Yeah, she got a red card, I guess, against Towson. <laughs> got fired up. Insane to get a red card. like, uh, But it didn't matter. Matty Epke does what Matty Epke does and scores lots of goals. So Jamie pulls that out. They now move to number two in the latest polls. They're still undefeated. A big time, big time win for them. Yeah, they've scored at least 15 in every game so far this year. Is that good? Which is quite a lot. But then also to lose Peterson halfway through the Towson game, not have her against Albany and score a combined 41 goals in those two games. is uh, They're scary offensively. Defense seems like it's coming along. It's early, but, you know. National championship aspirations. Big time. I, I This team is looking dangerous. This team looking almost a little better than maybe that 2018 squad. Although that 2018 squad was loaded. But so is this one. It's pretty wild. I feel like I don't appreciate this enough personally. That they won a national title. Continued to be like pretty solid. And then a few years later have built themselves up again. To be a national title contender. As like a non- Right. With like the Olympic sports, the power conference stuff is a little bit dumb. But like, you know, Shelly Clay is not like she's making like 30 million a year, or 5 million a year, or any millions a year. Like, doing pretty darn good with the resources they have, the salary, all that stuff, the NIL, which is limited. <laughs> it is insane. Like, we, we've, we always talk about it when we bring up lacrosse, being like, is this the best team on campus? Like, I don't think it's an argument. I think they are the best team on campus. I don't think it's particularly close. And I don't think we ever can conceptualize actually how crazy it is. This is like the, this is like them winning a national championship in 2018, never really going away and playing with like the blue bloods of the sport year in and year out. They nearly made a run last year. You went up to Syracuse, you you got out to an early lead, you battled with the orange. And then you retool and you come back and you have a you're you're number two in the nation. Could you imagine men's basketball, football, women's basketball, any sport being number two? You're this. I know polls are a little wacky and we don't you can't put too much stock into them, but they're the second best team in the nation according to I think it's the IWLCA poll. It's nuts. It's just absolutely nuts. It's a chance to be 
just like bar none the greatest sports year in JMU history. It's a little early, but like football did some incredible things. What men's soccer is really good, volleyball and women's soccer both got at larges too. Yeah. A lot of at larges. You got men's basketball could potentially make the big dance and make some noise in there. Women's basketball could also make the make the dance. Swim and dive won a league title. If lacrosse goes out and wins like a national championship in the spring, oof. buckle up, Buttercup. What a year. What a year. You know who else is having a fantastic year? Are you about to apologize? Our friends over on the baseball diamond, they're coming off of a weekend sweep. You see that lower third? <laughs> for our podcast listeners, Jamie Baseball, time for Jack to apologize. Hell no, not yet. I think that's correct, right? So they're five and three. <laughs> they swept Fairfield. They got the win Ooh. over Virginia Tech. So they did go. We were talking if they beat Virginia Tech, won the series against Fairfield, you'd be like, all right, pretty cool. They swept them. Yeah, it is it is cool. It's really awesome. Fairfield not I mean they were picked to what win the NEC, as we all know, the NEC, the Northeast Conference. They might be in the MAC. Are they in the MAC? I, I can't remember. I've been looking up so many random teams in their conferences, but whatever it is, it's like a, you know, not They great. were picked to winish picked to winish. <laughs> they were picked <laughs> to finish first in their conference. Cool. They haven't won a game yet this season early but daniel merriman he does point out the very important thing the bats are going crazy to start this year that's that's very true they're batting 311 as a team to start the season they have three different players batting 400 or better in wyatt pfeiffer ryan dooley and coleman calabrese i mean that is fantastic fenwick trimble was is like their big bat in the lineup he's one of their like one of the guys projected to be an mla i cannot talk today bennett take it over They've got MLB prospects on the roster. Trimble's the guy. They're good. I can't talk. <laughs> but it's early. It's it early. is early. Trimble batting 290. He has two home runs. Brendan O'Donnell has four. Coleman is balling to start this season. I think that's kind of been the big story. The junior infielder from Bowie, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, he has a hit in every game but the Monday game against Arkansas. He just raked over the weekend against Fairfield had four hits on Friday, two more hits on Saturday, three hits on Sunday. He drove in three, four, five, six runs, had four home runs over the weekend. I mean, he, he was the whole offense for JMU. Virginia tech game was awesome too. Um, <laughs> they jump out to a six to one lead and then blow it trail seven to six. Tie in the bottom of the eighth on a, I believe it was a bunt single with the bases loaded. Very normal stuff going on in Harrisonburg <laughs> to tie the game. Small ball, baby. And then they uh, they go ahead. Bob Weiss would be proud. <laughs> Even Bob Weiss might be like, that's a little bold, guys. Maybe let him swing there. <laughs> but then they score one, bottom of the ninth. They load the bases, nobody out. Find a way to get it done against the Hokies. Follow it up with a sweep. I was sort of waiting for the inevitable dud and they kind of almost did that on friday it was, it was dicey there for a while i've had a sweep big time uh donovan burke on that midweek game against virginia tech was lights out he was the reason they were able to build a 6-1 lead over the Hokies. he went six innings allowing six hits 
but just two runs came around to score and he struck out seven Hokies while walking just two of them. He, he was fantastic and a big reason why they won that Tuesday game. Or I guess it was a Wednesday game. I'm all over the place. You, you can't trust anything I'm saying. But I mean, some of their starters are doing very well. Ryan Murphy, a 5-1-9 ERA early on in the season, but he has only allowed five earned runs. Um, Max Cool is doing a good job. Todd Mazzocchi, a uh, little struggling a bit to start this season, but he has started two games. Uh, he started, what was it, the Fairfield game? Yeah, the Fairfield game where uh, that Friday where they hit him around a little bit. And... That was kind of a tough, tough summary for Todd there. <laughs> two games. But no, yeah, he's off to a rough start with the first two. But I think they've they've thrown him early in those series. I imagine they think he's he's a Friday starter, yeah. So we'll see what goes on there. They've got Mason on Wednesday. Mason sucks like real bad. Oh, I thought you meant like Mason the player for them. No, no, sorry. They've got because they, they used Mason. to have a they used to have Mason Dunaway, and you were like, he's they got he's, uh, he's uh, I think about to come back from injury per Katie's tweets. I think it was him. So they'll get him back soon. That's good. But they got George Mason Wednesday. George Mason's terrible. Then you got three against Cornell at home. Cornell, I think, took one from Georgia Tech in its opening series, but they're projected to finish toward the bottom of the Ivy League. You're looking at at least three or four there. You might want all four. Then you got VMI, Richmond, East Tennessee. It's a winnable start. It's a great start. start. We have listener questions later. I'm going to do Dom's now for you. I think they have 11 games, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, 11 games between now and the start of Sunbelt play. How many of those do they need to win heading into league play to, in Dom's words, feel good about the trajectory of the team this season? So those games, you kind of just went over, but it's at George Mason, then a home series, three games against Cornell, then back-to-back midweek games, Tuesday, Wednesday, March 5th and 6th, VMI and Richmond. Then you hit the road to Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, against ETSU, then Niagara, a Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek miniseries. You got to win the Cornell and ETSU series. So let's say at least four. And I think you got to win all the midweeks. You give him nine. crazy for that. Nine and two. Yeah. I was thinking like eight and three. Yeah. So eight and three, nine, two. Better than that. I mean, like, yeah, if you drop a game here or there or whatever, but like. I, I think the only one you can drop is Richmond. Yeah. Cause these teams are uh, not great. So then it. Uh, is this one of those situations I feel like baseball's RPI is real effed up where like you can win a game and it still hurts you at the end of the year because the team sucks so bad? Kind of, yes. Yeah, like so they, 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 they're not positioned to be an at large team. This is such a bad non-conference schedule that there are. Oh, I mean, actually, I take that back because in the Sun Belt, you actually have like good games. And they got Virginia Tech and Arkansas. Yet you lost three of the four, five games of those. They battled against Arkansas. You think the committee is not going to say, whoa, I'm, six to four loss. That's I'm, one one battle on the board for the Dukes. I, I will say I'm not going to fully apologize but I'm very happy to see that they're playing this way, that they're coming out well. I think for me, their offense is outperforming the expectations. I'm really interested to see how the pitching staff holds up 
and how the pitching staff does. We won't really get to see it, I think, that much in non-conference play, but I'm very excited to see how the pitching does once conference play starts. That even goes over to the the lineup, too, because they're not facing high-end pitching right now. The only high-end pitching they faced off against was Arkansas, where they were shut out one time, held to five in another. So when they faced great pitching, the offense did break through to keep that first game a little close. They did put up seven on Sunday. So the lineup is capable. I'm very interested to see what the pitching staff does against better bats. No shade at all meant for Fairfield. But Fairfield is a fall by Carolina. Pitching was supposed to be a strength, right, coming into the year? They say that every year. That's true. But a lot of winnable games. They should have a real tasty record going into Sunbelt play. But, yeah, the competition obviously increases a a good bit once you get into league play. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about every podcast. Coastal, Texas State, ODU. Even, I think Arkansas State started 7-0 with a win over Ole Miss in a midweek. Yeah. All right. Maybe they could play. Baseball. Troy's. Troy's a baller. And you're finishing yeah. the season at Troy. It's, it's going to be tough. The Sun Belt is a murderer's row. Let's. I'm excited because five and three is better than I expected. It's much better than I expected. I'm waiting with bated breath, though. I think that's fair. It's still early, and it's almost more concerning that they have such an easy stretch, where like you just can't stumble much here for eleven games, which is kind of hard, especially in baseball. Yeah, especially like it's cold, and I can't imagine there's going to be like droves of people watching them play Cornell. So you kind of got to like bring your own energy, even at home. It's tough. Jamie is one of the rare teams north that play so many home games in February and March. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's an interesting approach because most teams up north, they'll play like probably half the amount of games JMU is playing at home. And then the rest will be like down south to stay warm. Like West Virginia started the season against Stetson, then came to Charlotte. And I think they'll have another away series. Virginia Tech, something similar. Virginia Tech played Rhode Island at home after starting their season at Charlotte. So very interesting that the first two of the first three series, Jamie will play her at home. And they got a lot of home games. Yeah. Good start. Great start. I'm not apologizing yet. I will in a little bit if they continue winning. I think here, I think my thought, I don't really think you can give a true deserved apology until we're like, we're decently into Sunbelt play. I agree. Even so if they go 11 and 0 over the next, if they go 11 and 0 the next 11 games. That doesn't mean anything. I don't, me. Yeah, I'm going to say that's not an apology. <laughs> like an apology is when you start <laughs> Sunbelt play, like winning your first two series and like looking good doing it. I I think you could even get away <laughs> with no apology unless they make like a regional, right? Because what else, what are you apologizing for then? Congrats yeah, on a moral victory. I also like how you're pawning this all off on me. Like I'm the only one of this podcast duo that has had issues with the baseball team. Yeah. You Jack, 
can't apologize until they get to an NCAA regional. I don't know how I skewed it in my head to be like, well, Jack has to apologize, but I love that I've done that for myself where it's like, this guy doesn't think baseball is He's off enough. the rails. I've tried to tell him what's right, but he just won't listen to me. I'm over here like, hey, if they beat Virginia Tech, extend the contract another few more years. They swept Fairfield. Give him a lifetime deal. Jack, on the other hand, wants to just fire him yesterday. Exactly. But yeah, they got a lot of... They have a lot of baseball left before there are any official apologies. But a very, very strong start. The bats have just been electric to start. It will be exciting to see how they all settle into a routine as this season really gets going. From one diamond sport to the other diamond sport, softball. They went two and three over the weekend against, uh, what was it? They lost to South Carolina and Charlotte, and they had a perfect Sunday at the Gamecock Invitational. The losses to Charlotte and South Carolina were close ones where the offensive bats just didn't ever really find a rhythm. Pitching looks really solid. I think you tweeted it. A lot of stuff you can build on here. There's a lot of hope, but it feels a little tough with a losing record when those three games were all winnable. Yeah, they look like a regional team. I think they've got what it takes. And fortunately, kind of like baseball, you're going to have chances in conference play they like grab some nice wins south alabama wins a good one south alabama's pretty good they're off to a nice start this year i think yes they beat south carolina during this tournament so that's like a real nice win for south alabama they're gonna be one of the best teams in the sun belt projected to finish second so that's a huge win for them not a conference game but one that they can sort of add to the resume the villanova one from last weekend's another decent one but villanova's off to a pretty slow start so they need to Turn it around for that really to be a quality one. UMass isn't very good, so that one's kind of just a throwaway. Nice game at the end of the the weekend to get a an easy-ish win. Charlotte and South Carolina. Oh, missed opportunities. They played well. They played well, but they led South Carolina two to one going to the bottom of the seventh on the road. End up losing three to two. They lost the first game to Charlotte in extra innings, two to one in eight innings. The other one against Charlotte, they're up 1-0 through three innings, end up losing 4-1. to one. Even if you just get one of those, feels like it would have been huge for like... It's a 3-2 and two weekend. Yeah, and you're at large chances. You got one you can point to, especially because they really had ranked South Carolina in a true road setting, like on the ropes. Well, Charlotte's also a regional team, potential yeah, super Charlotte's regional team. Good. Yeah, like, Charlotte's very, very good. If you won, if you split, if you went one on one against the 49ers and then held on to win that Gamecock game, who you're right. at lar- like, who and you had both, you had all three won. That it's tough. It's, it's tough, but they are playing well. Uh, the bats, yeah, the bats need to get a little bit more consistent. The pitching is fascinating because after the first weekend I came on here, I was like, Fleet is everything. Fleet is the ace. Everybody else get behind. Then she had kind of a tough second weekend. I think she pitched against UMass in this one, started against UMass, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she got a win in that one. And then I think she came in in relief, maybe in the first Charlotte game. Uh, she did some really nice stuff against UMass. Six innings, nine strikeouts, only gave up one earned, two runs total. Good stuff. But Peyton List, the Virginia Tech transfer, got a lot of velocity, is proving to be very legit. And Alyssa Humphrey's been phenomenal. She's been great. She, she pitched 
probably the best she's ever pitched in a JMU uniform, I think, against South Carolina. Uh, kind of fell apart a little bit there late, but she was good in that one, and she started really strong in the second Charlotte game um, and gave up some stuff a little bit after that. But I don't know, that that group of List and Humphrey looking really good. You still have uh, Molly Grubb from Virginia and Fleet. Like, it's four good ones. So they have the staff to make a regional and do some nice things. At some point, though, you kind of have to take advantage of those, like, this is a great at-large thing because it's hard to win the Sunbelt tournament, right? It's not the CAA. Yeah, I also think with Fleet, she'll settle in. Oh, yeah. She's a freshman. You have a great first week. Your second week might be a little little iffy. Third week, come back, find your rhythm again, and then kind of settle into what college softball is like. I think we'll see Fleet really take a few steps forward, and as she gets more experience underneath her belt – her progression will be kind of exponential as we see this season go on. But it's great that you also have Humphrey, probably an ace any other year. Peyton List sounds like an ace any other year. And now all of a sudden they got three pitchers that I, you could argue that over the last two years, three years since Odyssey Alexander left, they all would be the best pitcher on those respective staffs. Yeah, that's what's what's so cool. You look at List, her first Charlotte start, seven innings, seven strikeouts, just two earned. Uh, she got the win against South Alabama, too. Six in a third, just two runs allowed against good teams. And a, sort of similar to Fleet, List didn't play at all for Virginia Tech last year. So you have two. Yeah, so a redshirt freshman and a freshman. You have two freshmen who look like they have ace potential and like barely have any experience at this point. The future is very bright, but I think this year they, they've got some regional chops if they can hang in there in conference play. Yeah, and throughout the season, you'll probably have some of those games that you lost at the Gamecock Invitational go your way. Yeah. So you start to get that rhythm, and and I'm excited for softball. They look fun. They look fun and, and good. They're up in uh, my neck of the woods, March 19th. They play at Maryland. Might have to get myself there. You head to College Park? Might have to, weather permitting. Weather permitting. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. That brings us to listener questions. We have a few tonight. I'll, I'll throw some at you. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, does lacrosse win the natty this year? That's from Alex. Oh, nine, two, nine, seven, five. Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Yes. Why not? Bold. Okay. I'll say I'll say yeah. They look they look spicy. I would agree with that. Um, next question: Who will be the backup quarterback out of fall camp? Daniel Merriman's right back into football. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I would say Alonzo Barnett. That would be my lean, just because I feel like he's maybe the most talented. I just keep thinking back to last year when he won the starting job and it breaks my brain a little bit. 
I agree 100%. You're kind of like, he was supposed to be like the second coming of like the savior of this school. We talked with this coach and he was like, it's going to be tough to get him off the field if you ever let him get on it. That was pretty easy. So fast, man. It wasn't even a full game. (laughs) (laughs) That was crazy. We don't talk about that enough. (laughs) Well, I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo on it. It's collegiate. No, no. Just like the, like clearly Jordan McLeod is good at football. Like very good at football. Like, no, not just good just... at football. Like very good at football. And now the best part of it all, he's not on a team. I wish we were deranged enough to stick to our take that McLeod was the guy through the Bucknell game. Can you imagine that? If we're just like, ah, I feel like Signetti's off. And we ended up being right, that would have been, been crazy. That would have been epic. But it is insane that this is this is the Jordan McLeod career arc. Comes in after going to two schools, destroying one of his legs, forcing him to be out of the sport of football the year before he came to JMU. Comes to JMU. Is the presumed starter. Loses starting job to Alonzo Barnett. Alonzo Barnett has maybe the worst half of football against an FCS team in a decade. Gets benched. Jordan McLeod goes in, balls out, has a touchdown on three of his first four drives as JMU. Next week, helped orchestrate a 12-point comeback against UVA, the first time JMU had gone to UVA and won in over 40 years. Goes on to be the Sun Belt Player of the Year, leading JMU to the craziest success they've ever seen at any level of football ever. Decides to enter the transfer portal after Kurt (laughs) Signetti leaves is now not on a team. That's insane. (laughs) What a crazy, crazy journey. I also think I'm interested to see Barnett's growth because it feels like, I feel like his coach was telling us that he's like this great leader and is like, you know, all that kind of stuff. the locker room, it sounds like. I feel like he's going to vibe with Chesney really well. Yeah. I think because you only got Morris for one year. Yeah. And Barnett is a red shirt sophomore this year so he'd be a redshirt junior next year if chesney stays he may be the guy then you have two years of barnett fascinating quarterback room billy atkins is still there brett griffiths transferred years ago he's still there came in against was it marshall when he came in for like a part of a drive yeah and had a like an interception (laughs) whatever he did he came in he threw a screen pass over somebody's head but he has that cannon of an arm and then we got Griffiths. Arguably the best arm that Signetti's ever seen. I've heard reports saying that. Whoa. <laughs> We're turning around like crazy at camp, man. Getting whiplash out there. <laughs> um, There was a question. Where is it? Is McLeod a Duke as of now? I don't know if that career arc took you through it. He is not. He's not declared anywhere. I think the music has stopped until the spring. And he's without a chair. I want him at Texas State in that offense. I think that'd be sweet if he like balled out there. They don't win the Sun Belt, but he wins Player of the Year again. That'd be awesome. That'd be hilarious. We'd have to look up the last time a player, if if that happens, which is a big if, we'd have to look up the last time a player won Conference Player of the Year for two different teams in consecutive years. Yeah, that'd be historic. I think that never has happened. Okay, um, Joey Needham, <laughs> which team outside of the, we're just talking about an extreme <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> Joey Needham, uh, which team outside of the top four seeds do you think presents the biggest challenge for JMU in the Sun Belt men's tournament? I'm going to hit you with my take first. Yes. 
Georgia Southern if they make it in. I actually kind of like that take. I also I was all poised to say Arkansas State, but I guess they're they've like played themselves into the four seed. No choice to oh wait the four seed yeah 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 because like Arkansas State to me is terrifying right now like a really qualified coach in his first season coming into the year I thought they'd be a little bit better they're now playing great basketball they're electric offensively Jamie won by four on the road there and it was like a pretty good game they've swept Troy would love I actually kind of think the two seed is perfect in terms of making it to the final yes I would agree because you avoid the four yeah and or the five right Louisiana and Arkansas State are like probably scarier than Troy yeah so could be big time. I think it's Georgia Southern if they sneak in. <laughs> JMU has struggled both times against the worst team in the Sun Belt. I don't want to see them again. I would love if we never saw them again. Um, is Mike Green's shooting to start this season just an apparition, or is he just cold? All right. Uh, yes and no. Because against non-conference teams, he's been electric. He went four for five from three against Akron every other conference game this season starting at Texas State he has hit more than one three just once he went two for two at App State back on January 27th over the last few games since his four for five performance against Akron he didn't take a single three against Georgia State he didn't take a single three against Georgia Southern one for four against Marshall zero for two the second time against Georgia Southern he just has stopped shooting threes as of late after being an electric three-point scorer in non-conference play. If I'm doing my quick count correctly, he has as many three-pointers in all of conference play, four, as he did against Akron in the one game. In non-con- That's insane. And then in non-conference play, he hit more than one three, so two or more threes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. He took three or more threes in every single non-conference game. He hasn't taken three or more threes. He's done it one twice in the last seven conference games. Something's broken. Something's changed within the offense. If they make the NCAA tournament, is he going to go like nuts though? We've seen. He's really good against non-con. You know what I think it is? I think the scouting report is like, this guy is a good shooter. Just like manhandle him. Akron didn't get the memo. They're not I don't think as much. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm overthinking it. I'm giving him way too much benefit of the doubt. But like the fact that the, the, the difference is that stark. It's something it's yeah, it's, definitely surprising so i wouldn't say his shooting's an apparition i think he's a darn good three-point shooter a darn good player overall there's just something about playing against sunbelt teams that there's a mental block yeah who knows they also have such weird flow with like there are games where green looks like he's the greatest point guard on earth there are games where brown looks like he's the greatest there are other games where it's like oh my god you got to take that guy off the court and put in the other guard i kind of felt that way um, part of the Georgia Southern game, they put Brown in and it seemed like he was giving him more of a spark, maybe just because his size defensively helps a little bit. And Georgia Southern was making a ton of shots. But Green, when he's on, adds like a crazy X factor where he can yeah. go from being like 
no points to getting you like 20. 15. Yeah. And yeah. you're just like, oh, like in an instant, like Julian yeah. Wooden, how Julian Wooden can just blink and he has nine. It's a 9 0 run for JMU because he just went three for three. They're going to be so fun if they get into the dance. <laughs> I hope they do. Um, and one last kind of listener question update. Realize I never changed the lower third on that one. Um, this is from at Mr. JMU. A little bit of an athletic director update that normally is a question we get in this listener question segment. We didn't get one today, but leadership updates at JMU include Bob Chesney is hired. There's a strong pool of candidates for the athletic director opening with on-campus interviews scheduled for April. The search committee is reviewing applicants for the VP of enrollment management as well. There you go. Moving forward with an AD search. Big time. So keep your eyes peeled. Maybe it's flight tracker season in April. I'd love to see give, give Ike a look. A little baseball. A little All right. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to get out of here with that. All right. Anything else? Oh, wait. There's one more. Uh, this is from Ross or 11. Who is JMU's top athlete of the year? Jalen Green, Isabella Peterson, other. Can we wait until the year so ends. far so far so far oh, okay, i think so when the year ends. i think when the year ends it'll be isabella peterson i think as of right now it's Jalen green i think that's fair 15 and a half sacks in nine games are pretty cool yeah if terrence edwards like does an odyssey alexander though type of run to like take jamie to the sweet 16 he's up there wouldn't it be sweet if it was somebody like michael green who did it though <laughs> who hits like 10 threes a game <laughs> Ten like, threes he's a the game? best athlete in history he goes he goes a combined 30 of 34 from deep oh here's in a question for you if okay well the jamie's gonna play in either the nit or the ncaa tournament yes over okay. under 19 and a half shots in that game that first game for edwards under but like right under i think it's a very good line you put <laughs> it's gonna be electric to see him in one of those settings because i he's gonna go get his <laughs> that is I can't wait. the the commentators against georgia southern were so good they were yes. so good i think you pointed this out great at praising him and then also being like why did he do that they did a great job i thought their their commentary team was i thought was really good I think best of the season that we've heard, home or away. Yeah. Anything, no else, you wanna... no <laughs> Anything else you want to add before we get up on out of here? No, I'm just excited. We've got – so I was thinking about this the other day. we got this podcast. Yeah. Next podcast, we'll be previewing the Sunbelt tournaments. Yeah. If, if you guys want to get us – not get – if you guys want to do our booking for us – let us know. No. Uh, if there's any guests you want to see for that Sunbelt yeah. tournament preview, maybe it's an App State person. Uh, maybe it's just kind of an over. We had Nick Lorenzen from Mid-Major Madness on earlier this season. Maybe we bring him back. Um, or if there's someone else that you, the listener, want to hear from or see if we can try and get, uh, DM us at JMU Sports News, or you can email us at News at gmail.com. Then the podcast after that one will know because that, that Monday is Championship Monday. We'll know if they're in the field or not. Well, I guess I guess if they have the at-large case and, and they lose, then I guess we wouldn't know. But, like, we'll pretty <laughs> much part, know. We'll have, like, a 95% chance of knowing. 
That's crazy. We're two weeks away from either you're in or you're out. Are you ready? I think they're going to do it. I believe in them. I think they're going to win Pensacola. And then I think they're going to win four NCAA tournament games, make the final four, and then they're going to lose to Georgia Southern. I think they're going to get an at-large. I think Georgia Southern is going to win the whole thing. Put your bets on it now, folks. Go to Bet Online and you can place all of the NCAA tournament futures your heart desires. JMU to make the final four. I don't know if there's a line for it, but go ahead and throw five bucks down. I bet they got it. Use promo code Believe. That's promo code B L E A V to get a 50%. Would you bet JMU to let, let's let's do this as we finish out and, and we just ramble here for the final few minutes? I'm gonna take you through each round and see if you're placing a futures bet on it. Okay. JMU to make it to the final four. I would do it just for fun. Okay. Uh, JMU to the elite eight. Oh yeah. I guess, well, right, I guess yeah. if you're doing final four, then you would, then I have to do all of them. <laughs> I, <did this laughs> I, <practice>. <laughs> I, think, I was hoping uh, you would be no, no, no. And then do you, do you think there's a legitimate chance that they're making it to the sweet 16 plus 11,000 on FanDuel? Sorry, bet online doesn't have it for, JMU to make the final four. Um, 11,000. 11,000. So a $1 bet would win a ten a $100 bet would win $11,000. That's correct. So a $10 bet would win $1,100. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so a $1 bet would win $111. 110. I knew my math was getting out there headed somewhere <laughs> along the steps. South Florida has plus 9,500 odds, which is garbage because that team's going to get run out of the Boat gym race on by Charlotte. <laughs> I might put a responsible amount of money on that game. On you should just come down to the, to, to the Charlotte area to watch that game. South Florida, a top 25 team. They have literally no chance of getting an at-large. How does that make sense? It's February 26th. They're top 25 team, according to the AP poll, and they have no chance of earning an outlaw. Well, Arizona State is number nine. On that one dude's bracket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Make it stop. Well, the funny part about him putting Arizona, if you guys haven't seen, uh, there's an AP voter that accidentally put Arizona State at number nine with their 14 and 14 record. It was clearly a mistake. But everyone in the comments is like, he clearly meant Arizona. But the thing is, he ranked Arizona already at sixth. The replies were great. I saw someone else being like, he meant Auburn. They're like, Auburn's at 17. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this guy, I don't know how he messed it up. It's pretty hard unless you're doing it like really, really fast. Like you just got to look over and not click Arizona State. (laughs) Yeah. Well, until next time, folks, don't click on Arizona State. Believe in JMU. Anything else I should say? Go Dukes. Go Dukes. We'll be back next week with a full Sun Belt tournament men's and women's preview. If you want to see any guest on anyone from any other podcast, anything like that, let us know. DM us at Jamie Sports News on Twitter, or you can email us. Email us with any of your thoughts, general musings, things of that sort uh, at jmusportsnews at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys next week. This has been the JMU Sports News Podcast. Presented by Bet Online.
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.